0: Hello and welcome to Driving Discussions. In this series, we discuss the forces that affect the road fuels globally. Driving Discussion is brought to you by Argus Media, a leading independent provider of energy and commodity pricing information. This podcast is focused on the diesel market in Europe, uh, and it is a continuation of the piece that we recorded back in the uh, 22nd of February. Back then, We touched upon the consequences that a conflict in Ukraine may have on a market which was already trading at a very steep historical backwardation. The conflict is happening and we are now looking at probably one of the most uh, difficult to trade periods ever for diesel in Europe, a market which is experiencing uh, a high volatility at the moment. My name is Alfonso Barrocal, European Business Development Manager for Oil Products at Argus Media and we have here again with us Benedict George, Senior European Market Reporter and Alina Rappaport, Senior Market Reporter in Germany. Good afternoon Alina, Benedict and welcome back.
1: Hi Alfonso.
0: Hi Alfonso. Um, Benedict, uh, since we spoke about a month ago uh, the spot liquidity has been uh, drying up uh, and it almost looked like we are in a different market. Uh, What has been the impact of the conflict and the financial sanctions on the uh, pricing structure of the uh, European diesel?
2: Well, first off, the most important thing to make clear is that neither the EU nor the UK have introduced any sanctions directly targeting oil. It's only been primarily financial as you say. The UK has said it will ban Russian oil imports at the end of this year, but so far it's made no tangible move on that front. The closest they've come is that the UK has banned ships, chartered, operated or owned by persons connected with Russia. But as surprising as it sounds, this doesn't include subsidiaries of Russian companies. So Letasco, the trading arm of Russia's Luke Oil, is free to charter oil tankers into UK ports because it's incorporated in Switzerland. So the big picture is that despite the financial sanctions, it is absolutely legal to buy Russian diesel and people are continuing to do it because the alternative would be so much more expensive. Looking at data on tanker movements, the rate of diesel loadings in Russia for European destinations has not significantly changed since February. It is slightly lower, but it's slightly higher than it was in January. So the diesel is still moving at a normal rate. Having said that, prices, as you say, would indicate that it's not business as usual. Ice gas oil futures, which are futures for diesel in northwest Europe, are still trading above $1,000 a tonne. They were going for less than $700 a tonne at the start of this year. The margin of physical diesel cargo prices over crude has been hovering above $20 a barrel, which is very high by normal standards, although normal now feels like a very distant memory. The forward curve in the futures market is also extremely steep. So the front month contract has repeatedly recorded premiums over the second month that are higher than anything on Argus record before this crisis. This would usually be a sign of a very tight supply in the short term. So this is the strange thing. The prices show that diesel supply has become very tight but the tankers are still coming out of Russia and arriving in Europe at roughly the same rate as normal. So here are a few parts of what could be the explanation. The most important thing is that a lot of the diesel that has moved so far in March has been covered by deals that were done before the geopolitical situation deteriorated. Spot trades usually ask for delivery two or three weeks ahead. So, diesel being delivered now was probably uh, arranged on a spot trade that was done before everything kicked off at the end of February. And beyond the spot market, a lot of Russian diesel enters Europe on term contracts that are only renegotiated every quarter or every six months or even longer. And these arrangements are not likely to be affected unless a full ban is imposed. What the spiking prices really show us is that specifically the Northwest European diesel spot market has become very tight. Liquidity has dried up. And the data does show that Russian diesel is tending to discharge before it gets to Western Europe with lower volumes than usual reaching France and the UK. So Germany, Poland and Turkey are taking more Russian diesel than they took last month and more than normal but the UK and France are taking much less than last month. One reason for that could be that freight has become much, much more expensive. So it's roughly twice as expensive to charter a tanker from the Baltic to Rotterdam than it was a month ago. And of course, that makes it more appealing to move the product a shorter distance. It also straightforwardly makes the cargoes much more expensive. So that's partly why the prices have gone up so much because the cargo price includes a freight component the reason for the freight cost spike is that operators are charging risk premiums because of the uncertainty around sanctions and so on. And some operators, like mesk tankers, are refusing to carry Russian product at all, which reduces the supply of tankers that are available to carry this kind of product. Another reason for the shifting pattern of flows of Russian diesel to Europe is that the market is very divided in its attitude To Russian product. This is kind of the core uncertainty at the heart of all this. There's a question of how far companies are going to self-sanction in the absence of any direct sanctions preventing them from buying Russian oil. Some companies have come out and publicly announced that they're going to stop trading with Russia. Those have been the household names like Shell that have big reputations to protect. But there are a lot of smaller companies in the market that most people have never heard of and that are not going to make big public announcements like this. And this is where the mystery kind of lies. Traders are telling me that some of these companies are refusing to touch Russian material or preferring alternatives when they can get them. And I think that they just don't want to back themselves into a corner by publicly saying they aren't going to to take the product, but they're trying not to if possible. But it's not clear what proportion of the market that applies to, because some companies are still perfectly content to take the Russian product. Some of them are making more money because they're willing to take Russian product while others are not willing to. The biggest practical problem so far is that banks are mostly refusing to write credit for the purchase of Russian origin product. And this is not even because of the financial sanctions that have been introduced. Per se, although those do cause a problem because usually a big Russian bank would be involved in diesel sales to Europe, and European actors are no longer allowed to work with some of these big Russian banks. But even if the Russians use a European bank, so they kind of circumvent the financial sanctions, a lot of European banks are just choosing not to write any credit for the purchase of diesel that comes from Russia. Doing these kind of trades without bank credit is possible, but it's much more difficult because one of the parties has to accept an unusual amount of risk. The impression I'm getting is that the Russian suppliers are going to be willing to accept this risk in order to sell the diesel. They obviously don't have very many other options, but I'm told these arrangements are only really possible if there's a long-term relationship already between the buyer and the seller. Ultimately, we have to wait and see whether the market can rebuild Normal spot liquidity without the lubrication of bank credit.
0: Uh, okay, Benedict. Thanks. Um, let's let's say that the market goes to a point where it, it becomes even more restrictive to trade Russian origin diesel. What will be the supply alternatives to to Russian diesel in order to meet the uh, the European demand?
2: We well, Europe has already started to look at alternative sources, and the main one so far is India, in fact. Traders have told me that the arbitrage economics are working on the route from India to Europe, and there has already been a tangible increase in Indian diesel volumes on the water moving to Europe, which we can see in tanker tracking data. A few cargoes have loaded in the US Gulf Coast as well for Europe, it's not very much, But over the last two years, that flow had really slowed down, so the fact that a few cargoes are loading could be a sign of a change in balance in transatlantic diesel trade. We have to wait and see on that one. As I say, it's not very much yet. The US is not going to be able to save the day, as it were, for Europe because South America buys most US diesel exports and it's right next door and South America is not going to stop buying them. Saudi Arabia looked well positioned to step into any gap left by Russia. And, of course, Western leaders has been asking Saudi Arabia to increase crude oil output for this exact reason. But in terms of diesel, Saudi Arabia is actually having some trouble. It's usually Europe's second largest supplier of diesel after Russia, and it is still supplying large volumes. But it's struggling to increase those volumes because... One of their refineries is offline at the moment for maintenance work and they're working to fulfill domestic demand after gradually switching to the same low sulfur diesel specification that Europe uses over recent months. So they're having to ensure that they're increasing, their expanding uh, diesel production capacity is enough to meet local demand. Uh, as well as trying to supply European demand. On top of that, another Saudi refinery has had to temporarily reduce its throughput because of a Houthi missile and drone attack yesterday. So in the short term, India looks likely to beat Saudi Arabia to pick up the extra European demand. As we alluded to in our last podcast, the answer to Europe's Russia problem is not going to be domestic European refining. The IEA made some interesting comments, the International Energy Agency, that is, made some interesting comments in its latest oil market report saying that Europe does not actually have enough refinery capacity to replace Russian diesel, even though it might look as though it does on paper. Um, We said in our last podcast that refineries would have to run at around 90 percent or more of capacity to meet diesel demand in the absence of Russian imports uh, and how that was going to be very difficult because of very high crude and feedstock and natural gas prices, but the IEA additionally pointed out that refineries can't increase production of road fuels like diesel in a linear way with their crude throughput, because their secondary units, which convert the heavier products into lighter products like diesel, these secondary units have more limited capacity. So whereas for the first two thirds of their crude throughput, for example, they can reprocess some of the heavier stuff to make diesel. They can't do that for the last third, for example. So long story short, it's not actually as straightforward as just turning the refineries up to maximum. It actually probably wouldn't be possible for Europe to to fill in the gaps with domestic refining. So currently the answer seems to be Indian diesel flows stepping in to fill the gaps if Europe cannot or chooses not to revive liquidity in its spot diesel trading with Russia.
0: Thank you, uh, Benedict. Um, now we move into into Germany. Uh, Alina, um, can you please give us uh, an update of the situation on, on German stocks? And uh, uh, as well, the, the situation on those refineries in Germany that, that may operate or they may be operating using uh, Russian crude oil.
1: Yes, so stock levels at German terminals and refineries are pretty low currently due to the steep liquidation. Since this market structure makes it extremely unattractive to hold huge amounts of stock, uh, stocked diesel and heating oil are losing value compared to the selling of the product on the spot market. Thus, suppliers try to import as much as can be sold in a short amount of time and refiners also produce only to cover the existing demand. The low stocks coincide with the conflict in the Ukraine and the increasing efforts of European countries to find alternatives to Russian energy flows. Although the German Federal Ministry of Economics and Climate Action has so far refrained from sanctioning the Russian energy sector, the pressure to do so is mounting. I think it is therefore worth to have a closer look on the German refineries and which crude they process. The German crude imports rely to one third on crude from Russia. The refineries which are located in the south, west and north of Germany could probably replace uh, the Russian crude with different uh, types of crudes and uh, there wouldn't be a big problem doing so since they are not that dependent on Russia. But there are two refineries in the east of Germany which have a bigger problem, the 226,000 barrel per day PCK refinery in Schwedt, which is partly owned by Russia's state-owned Rosneft, and Total's 236,000 barrel per day Leuner refinery. Together, those refineries comprise 23% of total German refinery capacity and are both dependent heavily on Urals, as they are both supplied via the Druzhba pipeline from Russia. Would the crude supply stop, the supply in the whole of East Germany would be actually at risk. But having said that, I must also stress that currently both refineries are receiving their crude amounts as they should. Though it is possible to receive crude by vessel to the terminal in Rostock and then transport it via another pipeline to Schwed. But this pipeline is smaller than the Druzhba, which means that Schwed refinery would run on approximately 50% of its normal capacity. Also, Leuna refinery could be supplied from Polish Gdansk terminal, as it has been during the contamination of the Druzhba crude in 2019. But as far as we know, at least for Schwedt, processing other crudes than Urals could be a challenge, as the refinery is specifically designed to process Russian crudes. Therefore, should the German government ban Russian crude, Product prices in East Germany could go up, and uh, the eastern refineries would have actual difficulties to continue normal operations. Although no sanctions are imposed yet, product availability has been pretty low in Schwedt, as buyers have stocked up heating oil in the first half of March, since they feared that crude supply may stop in Schwedt. Inland heating oil prices therefore increased faster than in the rest of the country and seefeld Schwed became the most expensive region in Germany. You remember we had a similar situation in Hamburg when the terminal of the oil tanking group uh, had to close. But now we've got a situation with very high uh, heating oil prices in Schwed and the prices in Hamburg have uh, dropped uh, since uh, we last spoke. But uh, coming back to the m- current uh, situation in the PCK, um, also in mid-March the PCK reduced its throughput at the refinery to a minimum and uh, the majority shareholder Rosneft, who currently holds fifty four percent of the refinery stakes, stopped selling spot volumes after the company was hit by a cyber attack. High-demand and plant outage has therefore even more weighted on stocks at the PCK. Therefore, if Russian crude imports should stop after all, this would have an enormous impact on East Germany.
0: Thank you, um, Alina, for this um, good picture of German market. Um, uh, If we look now uh, into Western Germany and if we look at the um, pricing structure, the, uh, the FOB barges area market uh, has been showing an unusual uh, uh, structure where, where FOB barges uh, area price has been trading above uh, SIF Humber cargo price. Um, has this affected the flows of barges traded up the Rhine into Western Germany?
1: So indeed, for the bigger part of March, diesel FOP Barge has priced with a premium to CIF Hamburg, which actually rarely happens. Especially in the first full week of March, this was evident with an average premium reaching $9.4 per tonne. For comparison, in 2021, FOP Barge priced at a discount to CIF Hamburg of an average of $4.30 per tonne. One explanation for the unusual high premium could be, therefore, that during such a steep equidation of an average of $44 per tonne in the first week of March, the premium for immediate loading increased significantly. Therefore, barges were traded at a higher premium than cargos, since the barges have got a a shorter delivery time than cargos normally have. But in spite of the FOP premium, German importers were looking for ways to import diesel up the Rhine to Germany, as demand for diesel and especially heating oil spiked and margins were pretty attractive. Freight rates more than doubled due to high demand uh, since the first March and were at roughly $30 per ton on 18th March, so the freight rates to Germany it means. Um, And these are the highest since the low water levels on the Rhine in November 2021. Demand was high, but a lot of German importers were still hesitant to import Russian middle distillates. Although, as we already discussed legally, they are at their rights to do so. The same, by the way, was true for cargo imports to North Germany. Though they were in need of diesel from Russia, a lot of companies stopped their relationships to Russian entities due to uh, fears of uh, an image uh, problem if they would continue their trades with Russia. Also, as we said, they had problems to finance these trades and also they had were afraid of counter-sanctions. But interestingly, in spite of the unwillingness to purchase Russian diesel in the beginning of the month, quite a lot of this product has found its way into Germany in March. Imports to North Germany have doubled on the month and were at 120,000 barrels per day and this is 80% uh, uh, of this volumes came actually out of Russia. That's even more than usually. As Benedict also mentioned, due to the high freight costs, it makes economically sense to ship shorter distances than usually. Therefore, more product is coming from Russia to Germany and less to other northwest European countries further away from Russia. This is unexpected if we look at the uncertainty at the beginning of the month when a lot of companies were fearing for the market to run dry on diesel. But companies have worked around the financing problem, as some Russian companies, for example, allow to pay for the product after delivery. While supply in ARA is diversifying, and diesel imports are due to come from India, Singapore, or even the U.S., Germany remains dependent on Russian diesel and the remaining uncertainty is the reason why the FOP-SIF relationship even flipped in the mid of March and SIF Hamburg again was priced at a high premium to FOP.
0: Thank you. Um, thank you, Alina. And thank you, uh, Benedict, uh, for sharing your, your knowledge with us. Um, and if uh, you enjoyed this podcast, please be sure to tune in for the uh, other episodes in our series uh, driving discussions and for more information on argus global refined products coverage please visit argusmedia.com oil products stay safe and see you next time